One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. What an amazing day and what an incredible song as we come into this season where we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, today, whatever you may be walking through, I want you to know this, that God has good things in store for you. And His plan for your life is to bless you and to give you strength and put His favor upon your life. And really, that's the testimony of the birth of our Savior, that God loved humanity enough to give humanity hope. And I want to speak to you today on that very subject, that hope has come. And I want to direct your attention to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, and I'm going to read to you uh, the first seven verses of that chapter. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for the burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. What an amazing promise, an amazing passage of Scripture. And I want to just pray today that the Holy Spirit will just speak through me today and that God will impart life to every one of you who hear this message and that you will experience the fullness of what God has for your life, His favor, His blessing, His grace and mercy. Father, we thank You now for the power of Your Word. And I just pray over these next few minutes that there would be life imparted to every person who hears this message. We pray this now in Jesus' name and for Your glory. Amen and amen. What an incredible passage uh, Isaiah opens when he opens with those words, nevertheless, those who have been living in deep darkness, a light has dawned. What an incredible promise for us. Yet the truth of the matter is this, that the full impact of chapter 9 can never be appreciated to its uh, full extent until you understand the context of this. Uh, 
Uh, actually, you have to look at chapter 8 to really appreciate chapter 9 uh, because there, he uses this bridge word when he opens uh, uh, chapter 9. He uses this bridge word, nevertheless. So he's referencing something that has been going on in chapter 8. And when you look at chapter 8, it bears a striking resemblance to what's going on in America today. In fact, in many people's lives, many people right now are in very, very difficult circumstances and situations. Maybe I'm talking to someone this morning and you're in the middle of a very difficult, difficult time. Well, I want to tell you something that the promise of chapter nine is for you just like it was for Israel. If you look in chapter eight, what you find is that they were in a very, very difficult state of affairs. In fact, the nation was experiencing moral decay uh, things were bad on the moral front. There was this sense of, of ongoing destruction. In fact, political decline was the story of the day. National desperation. And in many ways, that's exactly what you and I are walking through today. In fact, there are some things and some similarities about what Israel was walking through that are incredibly like what you and I are uh, facing today. In fact, in the 12th verse of the 8th chapter, it even makes this statement, do not call conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. In other words, the conspiracy story and narrative is not new to us today. It was happening in Israel uh, during that day. He goes on to say, do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. In other words, this overarching fear that seemed to grip the hearts and minds of people, certainly in an uh, environment such as we're walking through with this global pandemic, fear is not a stranger to many people's lives. Many people live their life with this constant sense of dread and worry and fear, overwhelmed by the circumstances that they may walk through. Yet God has something to say to every one of us in the middle of those kinds of environments, those kinds of circumstances. God wants to let his promise be known. And he opens up chapter 9 with that wonderful word, nevertheless. Now, what is nevertheless? Now, nevertheless, as I said, is a bridge word. It's referencing something that has gone on before. So in other words, he's giving the context. He's giving the backdrop of what he's about to declare. He says, nevertheless, that, that, that word nevertheless literally means in spite of all that you have just heard. In other words, what God is saying is that Regardless of what the circumstances of your life and my life may look like, God has something more to say about it. That's not the end of the narrative. That's not the end of the story. That even though you may be walking through, and some of you no doubt today are walking through some really difficult, difficult things, yet God has a nevertheless to say about your circumstance and about your situation. You see, one of the things that was going on with the children of Israel is they were filled with distress. They were living under enormous pressure and tension, and they were distressed. The word distressed means to be living stressed out, stressed to the max. And maybe some of you today are living in that kind of a situation. Not only were they distressed, they were discouraged. 
They felt beaten down by life. They felt like that that was the way that their lot had been cast and that was the way their life was going to end up being. And they were discouraged by it. And they were living lives with a sense of defeatism. They were overwhelmed, beaten down, and defeated. In other words, it was hard for them to even put one foot in front of another and to do life. And maybe you are in that situation today. Maybe some of you are listening to this word today. You feel distressed and discouraged and defeated and feels like that everything in life, maybe you lost your job or maybe you're going through marriage stress or problems or problems with your family, whatever you may be facing today. I want to tell you something. God has a nevertheless over your life that he wants to speak that regardless of what you're facing, God is not saying that's the end of the story. And that's what he's announcing to Israel. You see, distress and doubt say that my life is what it is and it never can be any different. That's what distress and doubt are speaking. They, they, they bombard the thoughts of your mind and make you feel like that is the end of the story. It said distress and doubt is saying my life never can be any different. Discouragement, defeat, it's making a declaration as well. And that declaration is that my life never will be any different. You see, it's one thing to say my circumstances are what they are and they never can change. It's another thing to say they never will change. This is the way it's going to be. But let me tell you something. God's declaration over your life today, regardless of what you're walking through, is not that of, of never can change or never will change. God's declaration is nevertheless. In spite of what you're walking through, God is saying your reality, my reality can be different. You see, that's what hope is. And when we read this passage of scripture in the ninth chapter, it is really a declaration of hope to a people who have found themselves in hopeless circumstances. God is wanting to bring hope. Now, what is hope? By its very definition, it literally means it is a positive outlook on life regardless of what your circumstances might appear to be. You see, God is the God of hope. Hope is not ignoring the reality of my circumstances. It's not ignoring my reality. But what hope is, is recognizing a greater reality. It doesn't mean you're not walking through some difficult times. It doesn't mean you're not facing difficult trials and challenges. But what it means is I will, because of the hope of the Lord, I will acknowledge a greater reality that God is bigger than what I may be walking through. You see, all of us face those uh, dark times that, that sometimes can creep in. Sometimes depression and discouragement can come like a, 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 a wave upon our life. We, we can find at times that the circumstances of our life color everything with deep shades of gray. It's what, when we walk through those kinds of moments, it's what St. John of the Cross described as the dark night of the soul. In other words, you feel like this is the way my life is going to be from now on. 
the, the, the waves of doubt and discouragement begin to crash on the shores of my soul. And I'm overwhelmed by life. But I want to tell you something. There is a message that God has for you if you're in the middle of that. And that message is a message of life, a message of His favor. It is a message of hope. You see, hope has nothing to do with what I'm walking through, but it has everything to do with where I'm going to end up. In other words, this is not the end of the story. Hope begins to rise up. The message of hope, the nevertheless of heaven, begins to rise up in the middle of whatever it is that I might be walking through. And it begins to rise and shout louder than everything else that are, that's happening around me. It begins to scream. And it's screaming this message, this is not the end of the story. This is not the way it's going to be. There is a better day coming. That's the message of hope that God has. And that's what he's announcing in the ninth chapter when he uses that word, nevertheless. The psalmist David put it this way in Psalm 42, verse 11. Why so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. What an amazing promise. In other words, he's saying, when you go through these valleys, when you go through these dark times, that God is a God of hope. God is a God that will turn your situation around if you and I will but put our confidence in Him. So he asked the question, why so downcast? In other words, why are you defeated? Why are you discouraged? Why so downcast? Oh, my soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. Why so disturbed or stressed out within me? Put your hope in God. And that's exactly what I want to encourage you to do today. Because the promise of Isaiah chapter 9 is that hope has come. Hope has come. He gives this incredible narrative over the lives of people that were going through very, very difficult situations. He uses Language in that ninth chapter, he said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. He then begins to describe them as people who were going through very difficult circumstances, yet everything suddenly turned around and changed. That's the promise that God has for every one of us today, that regardless of what we might be walking through at this very moment, our situation can change in a moment. It can turn on a dime because our hope is in the God who turns and changes our circumstances and gives us life, and He promised to give it to the full. He said, the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. Listen, my friend, God has good things for you. God has life for you, regardless of what your circumstances may look like they are not the end of the story. God has a nevertheless he wants to announce over your life. So how do I step into this? How do I receive this hope? Because really, when we get down to it, we have to ask ourselves a fundamental question. It's not ignoring my reality, but it's accepting God's greater reality. How do I do that? First of all, let's look in the sixth verse. He makes this statement as he 
says, for unto us a child is born. Now that's an interesting statement. For unto us a child is born. Because really, he is declaring hope must be recognized. The first, pro the first instruction that we have, if we are going to walk and live lives of hope, it's that hope must be recognized. Unto us a child is born is an interesting statement because Israel was not looking for a baby. Israel was not looking for a child. Israel was looking for a king. They wanted somebody to deliver them out of the situation that they had been living in. They were looking for someone who was going to come and was going to push back all the evil forces that were putting their harsh boot on their neck and defeating their lives. They wanted to see a king, but they got a baby. <laughs> Little did they know that that baby was about doing something far greater than just simply giving them temporal deliverance, but that that baby was going to become the sacrifice for all humanity and was going to bring salvation for all eternity. What a wonderful promise. Yet the fact is that Israel didn't recognize the baby. They didn't see it through God's lens and God's perspective. God opens up by giving us this promise, for unto us a child is born. All of these circumstances that were negative now are declared to be overwhelmed by victory through a baby. Makes no difference. But what that says to me is this. We can miss the miracles that God wants to bring into our life because they come in a package we didn't expect. In other words, the miracles of God, the, the, the transforming grace of God that changes our circumstances don't always show up in a package that we were expecting. You see, it's easy for Israel to receive a king. It wasn't so easy for them to receive a baby. Yet God's promise came to them in the package of a baby. God's miracles oftentimes show up in packages that we weren't expecting. In other words, they don't look like what we thought they were going to look like. It's easy for us to say, well, God, I can accept your miracles when it looks like this, X, Y, and Z. But then when it doesn't, we tend to ignore it. We tend to say, well, that's not enough. But I want to tell you something. All you need is God's answer for your circumstance and your situation. And you and I have to understand that if we are going to walk and live in hope, we have to receive that hope in whatever package God chooses to bring it into our lives. I, I remember uh, a few years ago, Sandy and I, we bought this home uh, that we enjoy to this day. But it had a lot of issues. One of the issues that it had was a bad roof. And uh, there was a lot of roof. It was, a, it was very large and it was going to cost a lot of money to replace the roof there, the roof on the stables and all the other things. And I remember looking at Sandy and saying, baby, what are we going to do about putting a new roof on this house? We don't have the money to do that. How is that going to happen? And yet we were faced with the reality it was going to have to, we were going to have to have something done. And we didn't know where it was coming from. We didn't know how it was going to come. And a couple of three weeks later, I remember we turned on the weather and lo and behold, we began to get 
the weather report that a hurricane was coming to Florida. In fact, the projected path was going to take it right over central Florida. I'm thinking, that's the last thing I need. I'm, uh, we have a bad roof and now we're going to have a hurricane and all that rain and what is that going to mean for our house? And I begin to get concerned and worried. It ended up happening. The hurricane blew and came literally right over central Florida. It lifted more of my shingles off my roof. And I remember probably a couple of dozen shingles laying out in my front yard and I'm thinking, oh no, right at a time when I could least afford to see it happen, now I've definitely got to replace that roof and I've got to replace it now. Sandy said to me, she said, well, I'm just going to call the insurance company. Well, I don't know if you're watching this and you're, oh, you work for an insurance company. Don't be offended by what I'm about to say, but I've never been able to experience too much blessing coming from insurance companies. It seemed like the checks were always one way and it was from me to them. And whenever I needed something from them, they always came up with a reason why it wasn't going to happen the way that I thought. And uh, they were finding reasons why they could limit their uh, uh, covering any of my need. And um, so I was probably a little less than excited about the fact she was going to call the insurance company. I couldn't see the, that there was going to be much good that was going to come out of it, but she did. They sent out an adjuster. The adjuster looked at our circumstances, our situation. He walked around on the roof. He comes down and he said to Sandy, he said, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to replace your roof on both buildings. We're going to do it fully. Not only are we going to do that, we're going to replace your fencing and we're going to replace your gates and we're going to replace your garage doors. And when he finished making the list out, I was utterly astonished they ended up sending us the check and I was amazed and overwhelmed. But the fact of the matter is this, God had sent me a miracle in a hurricane. It didn't look like what I was expecting. It certainly wasn't what I was looking uh, or wanting. Yet God's answer for my situation was a hurricane. You see, a lot of times God sends things our direction that we think on the surface, that doesn't look like any good blessing or any good thing. Yet the truth of the matter is this, that God's packages, his miraculous packages, oftentimes are wrapped in ways that we would not expect. That they show up not looking like the miracle we thought, yet inside of that, is the miracle answer that we so desperately need. And that's exactly what uh, God is saying here to Israel, for unto us a child is born. This child would grow up and become the sacrificial lamb of God that would take away the sins of all humanity. God's miracle came in a package they weren't expecting. You see, you've got, if you're going to have hope, you've got to, you've got to recognize the hope that God is delivering. In the Old Testament, there's the story of a man named Naaman. Naaman was stricken with leprosy. His skin was white with the disease. And he came to the man of God and he asked the man of God to touch him and heal him. And the man of God didn't give him very good instructions as far as Naaman was concerned. He said to him, I tell you what, you just go down and dip seven times in the river Jordan. Now, Jordan is a muddy, nasty river. And this 
ruler was not very interested. Naaman was not interested. And his servant said to Naaman, said, Naaman, listen, if the man of God would have asked you to do something difficult, you would have done it. He's asked you to do something simple. Go down and dip seven times in the river Jordan. Yes, but that's not the way that I thought it was going to happen. That's not the way I thought the answer was going to come into my life. Well, do it anyway. And Naaman went down to the river at the behest of his servant and went in seven times, did exactly what the man of God had said. And here's the thing. On the seventh time, as he came up out of the water, his skin was like that of a newborn baby. You see, God wants to bring a miracle into your life, but it may show up in a package that we had not expected. The psalmist says in Psalm 130, verses 5 through 7, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in His Word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. Hope must be recognized. And today, God wants to bring that into your life, but maybe it shows up in a way that you hadn't expected. Let me encourage you. Recognize the hope-filled answers that God brings when He brings them. Ask God to give you eyes to see by the Spirit what He's doing in your life. The second thing, if we're going to live lives of hope and strength and confidence in the Lord, not only will hope, must hope be recognized, but hope must be received. He says this, Unto us a son is given. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The second instruction here is that a son is given. Notice that word given. Listen, everything you and I receive from God, we receive because He's a generous, gracious Father. Every good and perfect gift comes down from, the, from above, the Bible says, from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He's a good God and He's good all the time. And God wants to bring good things into your life. Yet the fact is, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. One of the big challenges that a lot of times we have is that we don't know how to receive from God. We become so bent on doing things our way and we live in a culture that is very performance oriented. So if you perform a certain way, you get the reward. But if you don't perform, you don't get it. And so we go to God the same way. We feel like we've got to impress God with our good behavior or our good works or our good deeds. The, yet the reality is this. God's not interested in any of that. All He wants is to show His love and mercy and grace to you by bestowing upon you His merciful answer to your situation. So we receive. Unto us a son is given. This time of year, we exchange gifts. We give gifts to one another. Why do we do that? Because it's a testimonial of the greatest gift that was ever given, and that was that God gave His only Son, Jesus Christ, that came into this world for you and for me. That's what John 3.16 says, that for God's love the world that He gave. 
You see, God is a gift-giving God. And one of the things that you learn about the entirety of the Godhead is that all of them are giving. They're all giving. They're full of generosity. God gives gifts to men. Jesus gives gifts to men. Uh, the Holy Spirit gives gifts to men. They're all gift-giving. I want to encourage you today. Everything you and I receive from God, we receive not because we earn it, not because we deserve it, but because He wants to give it to us. Hope also must be received. You can live your life in a hopeless despair or you can live your life in hope-filled courage and strength. God wants you to receive His hope today. There's a mindset that can change that the outlook of my life doesn't have to be that of darkness and despair and shades of gray, but God can paint the vista of my life in glorious colors that are brilliant as the rainbow as hope fills my life. You see, hope must be recognized and hope must be received. And then lastly, he makes this incredible promise as he says, and the government will be upon his shoulders. The third promise that we must hold on to is hope must rule. Hope must rule. And the government, what is the government? The government is the seat of authority. The government is the place where dictates and decrees are issued forth that change the circumstances of your life. And he says, and the government will be upon His shoulders. I want you to know today that the Lord Jesus has wide shoulders. He has wide shoulders. He can handle what it is that you are walking through. Yet we have to let His rulership into our life. You see, Jesus didn't come as a self-help coach. He didn't come as just a good teacher. He came as a king. He didn't come as your buddy. He came as a king to rule and reign in your life and in my life. And it is only as we allow the rulership of His kingly authority to come in that we experience what the Scripture refers to as the kingdom of God. Now listen to this promise. The kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You see, as you and I allow the kingly authority of Jesus into our life and allow that to rule, in other words, it makes the decisions. It tells us what we should do. It tells us how we should think. That's why Paul says to the Philippians, finally, my brother, whatsoever things are true and honest and just and lovely and pure and good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. In other words, Jesus wants to be Lord of your thinking. He wants to be Lord of your behavior, how you live your life, how you conduct your affairs, how you manage your family, how you do your business. He wants to be Lord of all of that. What are you doing when you allow Him to do that? You're allowing hope to rule in your life. Even when it comes to the way we manage our money, Luke 6, 38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For the same measure you met with all, it shall be measured unto you again. What is he doing? He's telling us how to run our money. We live generous. Why do we live generous? Heaven lives generous. 
When we're generous, there is something that's restored back to us and we have the promise of that. You see, for hope to rule in your life, you have to let Jesus the King rule in your life. That means you don't live your life your way, you live your life His way. And when you do, He brings His kingdom to bear upon your life. And it's only as we follow what the king says that we enjoy the benefits of his kingdom. You see, every king is only a king because he has a kingdom. And Jesus has a kingdom. And he wants to bring his kingdom into your heart and into your life. And you experience the benefits of his kingdom. And it's only as we submit and yield to the lordship or the kingship of our Lord and Savior, that we experience the benefits of His kingdom. There's a blessing that God wants to bestow upon your life. Yes, there are restrictions. Yes, there are boundaries in His kingdom. But there's blessing in the boundaries. That's why Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18 through 20 says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you're willing and obedient, listen to this, you will eat the good of the land. What land? The land that he's promised, that land of his kingdom. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. In other words, you and I have a choice. We can either allow hope to rule in our life because God is in charge, or we can get all stressed out, all wrapped around the axle over what's going on, and we can begin to allow our mouth to spew out all kinds of things of doubt and discouragement and defeat. Let me encourage you today. Submit to the rulership of the king because God's hope for your life is proportionate to His rule in your life. When you know you've got a good Jesus in charge of your life, you know He's got good things that He wants to bring about. You, you may not always see it when you think. You may not always even see it how you think. But I will tell you this, if you will let Him rule in your life, you'll walk in hope. You'll walk with a peace and a confidence that my life is hid with God in Christ and God is a good God and good things are on their way. They're only looking for the moment to manifest and you will see it. Jesus wants to be that in your life today, regardless of what you're walking through. Maybe you're in the middle of a hopeless relationship. Maybe you're in the middle of a, a hopeless diagnosis. The doctor has said, giving you bad news. Or maybe you're in a hopeless circumstances with a business or a job. Whatever you might be walking through today, I want to tell you something that the message of this passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 9 is that God has a nevertheless over your life. And I want to encourage you today, look to the Lord. Look to the Lord. Recognize what He wants to do recognize the hope that He wants to bring into your life, even when it comes in a package you don't expect. Receive it. Open up your heart and your arms wide to receive what God wants to freely give you because He's a generous, loving Father. He bestows good things upon you and upon me. 
And then lastly, let that hope rule in your life. Make up your mind that regardless of what your circumstances may be saying, God has something to say about your circumstance. Choose to believe what He is saying. Allow His peace to overwhelm you and fill you and live your life with a hope-filled expectation that God is announcing a nevertheless over your life this day. I want to pray with you. Whatever it is that you may be in the midst of right now, I ask you, just give that thing to God and just say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit and enable me to live my life recognizing your hope, receiving your hope, and letting your hope rule. Let's pray together. Father, we ask you now, in the mighty, awesome name of Jesus Christ, that you would touch every single person who is listening to this message today. I ask you right now that you will, Lord, ride on the words that I am declaring and speaking. For I am speaking in line with heaven today that you have good things for every single one of these who listen. That you have good things that you are bringing. Those promises are on the way. Those miracles are on the way. We receive them. We recognize them. We receive them. And we let, Lord God, the hope and the certain expectation of good things to come rule in our life for your glory. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to just close by giving you this brief instruction. Listen, I know that for some in this time of the year, it's a difficult season. But let me tell you something. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God, for you will yet praise Him. That's the promise that God has for you and for me in the middle of this season, regardless of what's happening all around us, political front, pandemic, or anything else economic that may be shaking up our life. God has a nevertheless for you today. Believe it, receive it, and watch God's goodness manifest in your life. God bless you. Have a great day.